Uh, we're going through the book of James right now, and we're at James chapter 1. We're going to read verses 5 to 7. Okay, 5 to 7. James chapter 1, verse 5 to 7. And we started this series, I think, last week. And we're going to keep pushing through until we finish this book. It's a great, practical, a simple, why a book full of wisdom. James chapter 1, verse 5 to 7. Let me read this, and then Peter will come um, unpack the word for us. Verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith. With no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. This is the word of God. Amen. Uh, hey, it works, Pastor Paul. <laughs> Amen. Thank you, Pastor Paul. Um, hello. Oh, hello. oh, hello, guys. Uh, familiar faces over here. Can I get everyone's time to press next to say, it's good to see you. Good to see you guys. All right. Welcome to church. Um, really, really happy to have you guys here. If you're a first-time comer, welcome. Uh, if you are a first-time comer in a long time, welcome back. And if you guys are just regular members, really, really happy to have you guys. Um, for those that don't know me, my name is Peter, and it is my joy and privilege to be able to preach the Word of God to you guys today. Um, if you've just joined us, Pastor Paul said it, but you guys have come at a good time because we just started a new sermon series in the book of James. Um, and it's really exciting because I, James is one of my favorite books because it's a really practical book. It's a really easy book to read, and that's, that's my style. And so I'm um, really excited about it. We're in week two, and so if you guys missed the first week, go back and have a listen on our podcast. But um, we're in week two, and the title for today's sermon, let's see if I can get this working. There we go. The title for today's sermon is Asking for Wisdom. I'm going to pray, and then we'll dive into today's text together. Why don't you guys pray with me? Father, we thank you that you do not hide yourself from us, but through your word and by your spirit, you reveal your wonderful character and amazing love to us. Lord, we thank you that you do not leave us in the dark about how we ought to carry on through our lives as your people, but that you give us clear instruction and aid us with godly wisdom and conviction to live faithfully in a manner that brings you joy and glory. We pray that you would help us today to see you rightly, to see the words that we are reading as your words. And I pray that you would grant us the faith to desire godly wisdom and to see you and see ourselves with this godly wisdom. Be with me as I speak. Help me to be clear. And I pray that you would speak to all our hearts, all our hearts today. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen. Let me start with a question to you guys. Uh, what is one thing um, that you, maybe more than one thing, one thing or more than one thing that you know to be true and good for you, but you just don't do it or you struggle to do it? One that you know is true and is good for you, but you struggle to do it or you just don't do it at all. Think about something. There's no wrong answer. I can think of a few things. Um, in the area of health, I know it would be good for me to cut Coca-Cola out of my life, right? It would be really good for me 
but I just don't. As many times as I've tried. Or perhaps exercise. We all know that we should exercise, but no matter how hard I try, Daniel won't exercise, right? Um, or maybe in the areas of spiritual disciplines, you hear on Sunday and in growth groups, uh, you should read the Bible, uh, you should pray. But the reality is we struggle to do it. And the question is why? We know the truth, right? It's not an issue of information. What's missing? And I'd argue that what's missing is conviction or perspective that grants us a greater conviction to do what we know to be true. An example of this, and I didn't get permission to say this, but I was talking to Sung Ho a few years ago um, when he started getting into fitness and CrossFit, and he's really nervous right now. <laughs> uh, he shared with me um, that he was struggling to do pull-ups. I mean, pull-ups are hard for everybody, but he was just sharing that he didn't really feel motivated to do pull-ups because it's hard. But then apparently his trainer came up to him and asked him this question. Hey, Sung, what are you going to do if you're hanging off a cliff with Shane in one hand and you need to lift him up? Are you just going to drop and fall because you don't want to do a pull-up? Apparently that made him want to do pull-ups, right? Now, I don't know when you're going to be hanging off a cliff with Shane in your hand, but it worked. It gave him perspective, brought urgency, and filled him with conviction. And I'm sure you can do multiple pull-ups now, right? <laughs> Another example, prayer. Um, we know that prayer is good and necessary, but on a day-to-day basis, we, don't, you know, we struggle to do it. But you should have seen my prayer life the night before HSC. I was on fire for Jesus, right? Why? Because there was conviction. And the reason I bring your attention to this very human phenomenon as we open up today is because just last week in James chapter 1 verse 2 to 4, we heard what is in my opinion a really difficult message. In case you forgot, this is what James says. James chapter 1 verse 2 to 4. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. James says, when you meet trials of various kinds, when you do, not if you do, when you do, which means trials will come, tough times will come, struggles will come, he says, count them as joy. Welcome them. Embrace them. Why? Because you know right? Information. You know that this is producing steadfastness and Christ-likeness in your faith because you know this can and probably is good for you and good for your growth. And especially if you're going through a tough season, a season of trial right now, whether it's in the form of physical health in you or those around you, spiritual dryness, that just won't end, Uh, anxiety and fear about what's to come in the future, relational strains with friends and or family, etc., etc., this is the last thing you want to do, right? That's the reality. Counting these trials as joy because I know it's good for me? No way. Our natural response isn't, thank you, Lord. I trust you, Lord. Help me to grow through this season, Lord. No, it's why, Lord? Or when will it end, Lord? Or even, how is this good, Lord? Right? We may have all this biblical information 
and truths and about the circumstances and situations we find ourselves in. We may have a really solid theological grid about you know, our lives through the years of reading the Bible. But when your child is sick, when your marriage is going through struggles, counting those seasons as joy feels close to impossible. Right? That's the reality. So then, how do we take what we know to be true that God is good, that he works for the good of those that love him, that he takes our seasons of trial and turns them into maturity and growth in our lives and genuinely learn to count those seasons of trial as joy, as the Bible calls us to? How do we do that? Well, we need perspective. That leads to conviction. And James calls this wisdom. Wisdom. I have two points for us today. The first is that we need to ask for wisdom. And second is that we need to ask for faith. And essentially, the point of this passage today, and the point of my message, is that we should pray. We should pray and ask God for help. Because He alone can help us find joy in the seasons of trial that we may find ourselves in now, or one day down the track. That's the message. I could end it there, but I won't. I feel like I say this every time. Let's look at what James says together. And I, pr- I pray that at the end, we would want to pray and ask God for these things together. Let's look at what James says. Next slide, please. Verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. Okay, so remember the context that we're in. James has just told us to find joy or count it as joy when we meet trials of various kinds. Why? Because we know it's good for us. And we establish that in reality, this is really, really hard to do. And so James is helping us now by telling us what we need in order to be able to count our trials as joy. And he says, it's wisdom. It's wisdom. Now, what is wisdom? What is wisdom? And rather than me trying to define it for you, next slide please, here's how a pastor and theologian by the name of J.A. Matee defines it. He says, Wisdom is the ability to apply what one knows to the problems of life. If we say about someone, he knows the Bible really well. So far we have described a knowledgeable person. But if he knows how to use his Bible to understand life and the world around him and to guide his own conduct and the conduct of others in the maze of life's problems, then knowledge has passed over into wisdom. So wisdom is not knowledge. Wisdom is not theology. We need those things. Knowledge and theology are important. But we need to be able to do something with knowledge and theology. You know, one of my favorite things that I, I used to hear at Bible College, one of my favorite lecturers used to say this all the time. He, says if you, he said, if you take sinners and just give them Bible knowledge, Bible information, you're just creating smarter sinners. You're not creating better Christians. You're just creating smarter sinners. And he used to always say that. We establish this. Knowing what's right doesn't always move us to do or live in the right way that we know is right. We need a greater perspective that leads to greater conviction, hopefully radical transformation. And in a worldly sense, a lot of that comes from time, experience, mistakes, lessons, growing older, etc., etc. 
But biblical wisdom doesn't work that way. Just because you're at church a long time doesn't make you wise in your faith. Biblical wisdom, as a commentator says, is to be able to see things from God's perspective instead of mine. That's, that's biblical wisdom. To be able to see circumstances, myself, my life, this world, from God's perspective and not mine. And that's not something that you can just work hard at figuring out. So then how do we gain that? This really precious thing that sounds really important. Quite simple. James says you need to ask God for it. He says, if any of you lacks wisdom, next slide please. If any of you lacks wisdom, which let's be honest, all of us lack wisdom, let him ask God. Church, we need to learn to ask God for godly wisdom. Particularly in seasons of trial, we need to learn to come before God and ask him for his perspective on my situation, on my life in this world. And there, in that place, James argues, is where we are, it is even possible to start thinking about finding joy in our trials. Kingsway, when was the last time you asked God for wisdom? When was the last time you asked God, Lord, help me see this with your eyes? To see the bigger picture? To understand the greater story that you're writing in my life? Instead of telling God what you think is the right way to be, telling God what you think should happen. Right? I think oftentimes we, we, we consider prayer like that. It's like a wish kind of list. God, this is how it should be. Do this. Please do this. Give me this. When was the last time you said, Lord, this is tough? Give me your eyes and your perspective and your wisdom on this so that I might re- respond accordingly. We need this. Next slide. The, the Bible defines wisdom like this uh, in the book of Proverbs. And I had this like big chunk in this sermon about all these different verses in the Bible that talks about kind of this, but I felt like this described it the best. Proverbs 9.10, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. In other words, seeing and knowing God rightly for who He is, that's where godly wisdom begins. So when we ask God for wisdom... Right? We're not just asking for an answer. We're actually asking for perspective to see God for who He is. The fear here is not scary fear, right? A scary dad. The fear here is a fear of reverence, recognizing how high and mighty He is. There, Proverbs tells us, is where godly wisdom begins. The place where we understand how small we are, and how much bigger God is, that God is God, and that He is in control, is where we start to see our own circumstances from a different perspective. Even if, emotionally speaking, it doesn't make sense, that change of perspective is where godly wisdom begins. And don't get me wrong, nowhere in the Bible does it say that godly wisdom or the shift of perspective will suddenly make things less painful in our lives. It does give us the strength, however, to carry on through the tough seasons as we trust that God is God, that God is in control, 
that He may be doing something greater in my life that I can't see right now. It gives us reason to hang on when things feel lost, and it gives purpose of sorts to the seemingly meaningless pain that we go through in our lives. Whatever shape or form that comes in. And that is found in biblical, godly wisdom, James says. Wisdom is what we need in our trials. And James says, simply put, if you lack it, if you, as you hear this, you feel like, I lack that, that kind of perspective. There are all these things that I know to be true. I could recite to you verse after verse, promise after promise. But when I look at my life and the way that I respond to tribulation, struggle, the way that I approach God daily, the way that I live my life, I need that perspective, that wisdom. James says, ask for it. And, and the good news is, when we ask for this kind of wisdom, James tells us, he comforts us. He says, God is generous in granting it to us. Verse 5, the second half, it says, Let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach. He doesn't judge. He, he, won't, he won't be like, well, I gave you some last month. What, 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 what happened to that? He does, without reproach, he gives generously. It will be given him. God does not hold back. The word here, generously, is kind of, in the Greek, it kind of talks, it means more like single-mindedness, kind of in a really fully devoted way he gives to you. So it's not just kind of like, you know, he's not giving you change. He is devoted to your growth and to your faith. And in that way, in this kind of devoted way, he gives you the wisdom that you need. He's committed to you. James assures us that God gives generously to all who ask. So let's ask. Simple as that. Why, why don't we, church, learn to come to God, come before God, whether it, even with tears of pain streaming down our face, and ask God for wisdom and understanding that we might learn to see a sense of joy in the trials that we face. Because we know this is building us up in the Lord. And I pray that in asking, we all might find divine comfort to us, granted to us by the grace of God. It's a miracle. When I speak to people who have gone through real trial and strife and tribulation, and, and I, I talk to them and they share with me from the perspective of honoring God and worshiping the Lord and being thankful to the, to the Lord for the things that didn't happen. And you just see the, the positive perspective they have on the situation that they're going. I just, I look at that and I go, how does this happen? This is a miracle. It's the grace of God. We need to ask him because we cannot do it on our own. And John Calvin says this about this topic. Next slide, please. Oh, next one. Oh, maybe we went too far. John Calvin says this about this topic. John Calvin says, Since we see that the Lord does not so require from us what is above our strength, but that he is ready to help us, provided we ask, let us, let us therefore learn whatever he command, whenever he commands us anything, to ask of him the power to perform it. There is no amount of words that I or anybody could stand here and say that will suddenly convince you to find joy in the trials that you're going through. Actually, it's 
does more harm than good. If I stand here and say, hey, find joy in that trial. God is good. It does more harm than good. Nothing I can say can, fe- uh, can make you feel that way. But the Bible says God can, and he will, if you ask. So let us learn to ask for godly wisdom in our trials together, especially when we're in the most painful time, painful seasons of our lives. Amen? Now, there's a catch, and here's my second point. I don't know where the slides are. Are we lost? Should we go back one? Okay, let's go forward one. I must have missed a quote. My bad, guys. Um, Second point, James tells us that we need to ask for wisdom, but that we need to ask it in faith. This is the catch. We need to ask it in faith. Verse 6, But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. Verse 7, For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. Okay, so what does this mean? Firstly, it doesn't mean that we're not allowed to have any doubt at all. I know that's how it sounds. Um, Let him ask in faith with no doubting. But if we read on, James elaborates what he means by this in verse 8. He describes this kind of doubt, this this person with this doubt. He describes him like a man who is double-minded. He uses the word double-minded or double-souled or looking in two directions. That's kind of how it is interpreted. And he uses this imagery of the waves at sea tossed and turned by the, the, the wind. Unstable, James says. I, I know it's kind of unrelated, but this kind of reminds me of another passage that helps me understand what God might mean by this. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, it says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. This passage might appear to be speaking about financial situations, but it's actually talking more about devotion and allegiance. If you're not fully devoted to God, and you have this half-hearted, you know, one foot in here, one foot in there, attitude and mentality, the Bible is exposing your heart and saying you're not really serving God. So bringing it back to James, this image of the double-minded man who is unstable one moment, committed to God, committed to something else, one foot here, one foot there, being tossed and thrown like the sea in the wind, unstable. If you pray with a wishy-washy kind of heart like that, a heart that doesn't really believe that God can help me, I'm just kind of doing it just in case it works. I have all these other backup plans, but I'll ask God as a, you know, as just in case. Or you pray as lip service. Oh, Peter said, if you ask wisdom, he'll give it to me. So I'll, I'll ask for wisdom. Lord, give me wisdom. Or, or maybe it's out of, you know, desire for personal joy rather than God's glory. James warns, if you have an attitude like that towards God, as you pray and ask for wisdom, He says that person must not suppose he'll receive anything from the Lord. But, next slide, Matthew 21, 22, Jesus says, and whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. He's generous if we have faith. So again, this is not about having no doubt. It's about having the right heart. This is about whether when we ask for wisdom in the trials of our lives, it's done with true faith and belief that God can help me. 
I'm asking God because I know God can help me. And even if it doesn't look the way that I want God to help me, I know He can and He will help me. That desperate, you're my only hope kind of attitude and heart as we, as we come before God in prayer. God rewards that heart with wisdom that we ask for, that brings us perspective and conviction and perhaps even joy and comfort in the times of our trial. And how do we know if you have that attitude? Because you might be asking, how do I know if I have that attitude? Well, firstly, I think you would know if you don't have that attitude. If you know that you're, you know, you would know if you're not praying earnestly and, and desperately before God. But the scarier answer is God knows. God knows. And so he will judge that. You can fool me. You can fool yourself. You can fool your growth group, fool people around you. But God knows. But maybe this is what it should sound like. I love this story. In Mark chapter 9, verse, next slide please. We meet a man whose son has been possessed by a demon. And he brings his son to Jesus. And this is what the man asks. Verse 22. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Now, this is wrong. As you see all, the, all this doubt there, right? So Jesus corrects him. Verse 23. I love this. If you can... If you can, all things are possible for the one who believes. And then Jesus gives him another chance. And so the man responds. Verse 24. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said, I believe. Help my unbelief. And to that, Jesus responds by casting out the demon from his son. I I love that. How real is that? The man went from, if you can, to, I believe. Do you see the difference? The if you can is, I'm going to try all these other things, but Jesus, you know, if you can, as a backup, I'll be really grateful to, hey, I believe. You're my hope. But notice he wasn't without doubt. He had unbelief. But even that, he surrenders to Jesus. Help my unbelief. I believe, but honestly, God, it's, I doubt. It's hard. Help that too, Lord. It's just human response. And that's the reality. When we pray and ask God for help in our trials, the reality is there's a part of us that doesn't really believe that this is going to work out. You doubt. The man's desperation comes out here. Jesus, you're my only hope. And to that, Jesus answers his cries. You see, Kingsway, what God is asking from us is not a faith without doubt. I don't think that's possible. It's simply a faith that has our eyes on God alone. It's devoted to God fully. Recognizing that when we ask, He is fully devoted to us. He gives generously, single-mindedly. That's, that's the definition. We will doubt. That's okay. That's normal. But if we ask in faith, the Bible tells us today that Jesus will honor our request for wisdom and grant it to us and bring us a deep comfort in the times of our sorrow. But if we are to ask in faith, perhaps what we need to first do is ask for faith. Ask for that Mark chapter 9 kind of desperate, I believe, help my unbelief kind of faith. And if we do those things, ask for this faith 
and then ask in faith, granted to us by God in His grace, and then ask for wisdom, I believe not only will we grow as in maturity as Christians, as James chapter 1 verse 2 says, but we will be able to overcome and endure even the darkest moments of our lives with our eyes fixed on God. Does that feel impossible to you right now? James is telling you it's possible. You need to ask God for faith. And with faith, ask God for wisdom in your, in your trials. So ask God. Amen? I understand that some people may be going through some real struggles right now. And I would hate for this sermon to sound like, hey, get over it. Uh, let's join the Lord. No way. That's not, that's not my point. Uh, that's not what the Bible is saying, I don't think. If that is you and you're, you're sitting here and there's some real trial and like struggle going on in your life, I think this is a word that is asking you to just hang in there and to just to struggle with God and ask God for help earnestly. And I think this is in some ways a promise that if you do ask God for help, He will help you. I don't want to go into it because it, it just got really long, but the next verse, actually the very next verse, you, James gives us an example of a lowly brother who is boasting because he is exalted in Christ. There is hope for you in your lowly state. So find hope. And I hope that you find comfort in that knowledge and come before God and ask for faith to believe. Help my unbelief. And with that faith, granted to you by the grace of God, ask for wisdom that you might find comfort in these tough times of your life. Why don't we pray together? Yeah, let's make that our prayer. Uh, whether you are struggling or not, I think this is something that we can all pray. Lord, give me greater faith to believe and trust in you. And Lord, grant me godly wisdom so that I might see myself, see my life, see this world from your perspective. So that for those who are doing well, we might walk humbly, thankfully, that God might in that place sustain us, sustain our faith. But particularly and especially for those who are struggling, that you might find comfort and just that little bit of strength to go on another step. A little bit of strength to ask for more strength and more strength until you find yourself truly finding joy in the Lord. But also, I just want to invite those of us who are doing okay to think about someone in this community, if you know, that is struggling and just to pray for them on their behalf. Lord, be with them and pray for them as well. Lord, grant them greater faith in this season and help them, Lord God, to be able to see their situation as painful as it may be with godly wisdom, that they might be strong and make it through and out of this season. Can we pray for our hearts? Let's just be real with God. Let's pray for one another, and then we'll sing a song together. Let's pray.